my, we're landing, or we, we're ending our series called Blessed. Um, I did an amazing PowerPoint, but we have gremlins. It, uh, yeah, if anybody believes that demons can climb into computer systems, I think our church needs deliverance in that area. Um, but we're landing blessed, and when I, when I shared with one of my friends the topic of this morning, all he said is, yo, good luck, <laughs> that's on you. Persecution. We're going to preach and we're going to speak about Jesus and what he says around persecution. So won't you turn or scroll in your Bibles to Matthew 5, and we're going to read three verses together, and we're going to, we're going to, be, we're going to be challenged and edified by his word. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, that you quicken it to us, that you make God's word alive to us, and, and, and text and on black and white, um, or even on our phones, that Spirit, Holy Spirit, that you would use it to quicken and, 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 and awaken our lives to you this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 10, I'm going to read all three, because Jesus literally spends three verses on this one blessing that he speaks to his disciples. Remember what's happening here? Jesus is on the mountain, he's teaching his disciples. The, the Pharisees are listening in, the crowds are listening in, but it's mainly aimed at those who follow him. So if you're a Christ follower this morning, and you believe in Christ, and he's your Lord, this is for you, this is for you and I. And he's speaking to our hearts again. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's, it's crazy when you read this. You read this again and again. You go, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus says, when we revile and persecute, when people utter and they, they spread rumors about us because of our faith in Christ and because of Christ. And then in verse 12, he lands and he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in, is great in heaven to the persecuted. Now, how do you and I read this passage in Scripture? Let me tell you that there are four of us in the room this afternoon of in this world, Christ followers, when they read this passage, for some, this, these verses at the moment is incredible comfort as they face death for their, for their faith. In Afghanistan at the moment, Christians and their families are being are on their knees, laying down their lives because of their confession and their faith in Christ, right now as we speak today. And you and I sit in East London, but there are families, there are people right now, who, when they read this scripture, receive the most incredible comfort. They're on their knees going, God, Jesus, you told us that we are blessed. As we lay down our lives for you right now, we are blessed and, and, and our reward is in heaven. And it's far greater than here. So right now that's happening. A contributor to uh, Nine Marks is a, a, a gospel ministry, wrote this conversation that he, he had this week with, with Afghan pastors. And he said this, the one brother told me, I love Jesus and I trust him. In, even if it comes to the end, I will praise his name. That's, a written, that's written from an Afghan pastor right now. He said, and then he said this, every Afghan Christian I've, I've spoken to, I've, I've, talk, I've, I've talked to, wants to live. And every Afghan Christian I've talked to is prepared to die. Everyone wants to live, but everyone's prepared to lay down their lives for the gospel. And you and I read this passage. For some, when they read this, they're going... Yes, Lord, our reward is in eternity, on their knees, facing death. For some, when we read this passage, and we hear the Afghan story at the moment, 
It's a radical reminder to wake up and pray for our brothers and sisters across the globe. Maybe we're not facing that, but maybe when you read these verses, you're going, I might not be facing this kind of persecution, but hey, I better pray for the world. Are you even aware of what's happening globally? We need to maybe update our website and, and have a news bulletin of what's happening across the globe. And so for some of us in the room, it's a comfort. For some, it's a radical reminder to wake up and pray for our Christian brothers and sisters that are literally being laying down their lives for the gospel as we speak. For others, this word is hard to understand. Persecuted, and we look at our lives and we're going, I just can't see it. I, I, don't, see, I don't feel persecuted. I don't feel like I am persecuted. I'm not even sure if this um, applies to my life. And for some of us in the room, you wouldn't be alone if you felt this is hard to apply to my personal life. And then for some of us in the room, this is a way that we've chosen to live. We, we, we've chosen, or some have chosen to, to sacrifice or live a life in sacrifice of the gospel. And that we'll get to that later. Where we live a life of self-denial, where we, we lay down our comforts for the sake of the gospel or our futures because of Jesus calling us. But the danger for you and I is that we fall into categories two and three, like the, we only pray and we think it's not applicable. All scripture is God-breathed and is helpful to us. So even this scripture to us in East London, where we have freedom to worship like this, Yes, we can't have 150 in here or 200 in here. Yes, we have to be clever with COVID, etc. And we feel our freedom has been taken. But you can't compare this to a family on their knees laying down their lives for the gospel with, with machetes or with guns pointed at them. We can't compare that. We, like, we can't compare it. And, and I understand that. But it doesn't mean that for some in, in the gospel, laying down our lives is meant, and for others it's not designed for that. No, it's for all of us. And we're going we're gonna to see that. And the New Testament is, is full of Scripture. It's almost, if you read the New Testament letters, that the only church the New Testament knew of was a church that was suffering for the gospel. It only knew a church that was busy going upstream in, towards society. Philippians, Paul, Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says, for it, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, not for any other sake, for Christ's sake, that you should not only believe in Him but also suffer for his sake. It's almost like Paul is saying to the church, when you follow Christ, it's going to be uncomfortable. This is not a joy ride. It's not going to be my best life and everything's going to come our way. Actually, it's the opposite when we, when we follow Christ. Indeed, all, of who, all who desire to live intimately, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Imagine being a young apprentice, Timothy, and Paul writes to you, and this is what he says to you, hey, Timothy, follow Jesus and get ready to be persecuted. That's not the way that we invite people into, into Christianity, is it? We don't introduce Jesus like that. Hey, come follow Jesus and become uncomfortable. I don't know how many people would say yes to that. You need a special kind of wiring in your head to say yes to that. And in Peter, we, we did Peter last year, exiles. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving to you an example so that you might follow in his steps. This is the way of the cross. This is the way of Christianity. This is the way of the gospel. This is the way of people who follow Jesus. We follow his example. And it shouldn't be, in Peter also it says, do not, do not be surprised when you are persecuted for your belief or the gospel. Do not be surprised by suffering or discomfort or being unpopular or when people revile you and say, I don't want to hang around with you because of your faith. And I read this beautiful story of a, of a Romanian pastor, um, Yosef um, Tson, that's how he pronounces it, 
Um, he suffered under the communist rule in Romania, and he wrote and he spoke many times of persecution and Christ-likeness, how becoming like Jesus is, is so closely linked and married to persecution. As you suffer and as you go through turmoil and hard times in your life, how, how Christ is um, manuf- not manufactured, it is molded in you. It's made, it becomes, you become more and more like Jesus in those times. And this is what he said, the essence of Christ-likeness is richness and fullness within. It's a beautiful promise. Bubbling over in blessing on others at cost to oneself. Listen to that. What Christ does is something rich and full in us, and it bubbles over into a blessing of others, not myself. This Christianity following Christ is not to honor's benefit. It's actually, it's always towards others. And then he says, at cost to oneself. It even costs me to bless and love others. It should always do that. If you're rich at heart, if you're rich at heart, you're ready for persecution. This is this Roman pastor, Ton, that says, and he uses Jesus as an example. He says, they cut Christ and he said, good, my blood will cleanse you. They beat Christ and he said, good, my stripes, you will be healed. I t- I take, he took on suffering and persecution and who benefited? You and I benefited from that. And when we follow his example, we suck up the persecution, the suffering. We suck up a bit of discomfort. Why? So that others can reach. So when Liesl Ann talks about our friends that don't know Christ, they might mock and laugh at you, but you do it. Why? Because they might just open their hearts, and God might just be using you to open their, their eyes to the gospel, and he might just be using you. Even when they mock and revile you and go, hey, I'm not into this thing. You're a weirdo. One day they're going to hear that, or they're going to remember that weird conversation with a weirdo, and they might come to faith. But if we're never even happy or, or prepared to lay down self or, or our, our approval idols, it's never going to happen. That's rich. And you've got to love wives. And, and when I read this, I giggled because Claire's done this to me once or twice in our marriage and in my faith. Um, one time he was, he was overwhelmed with fear because of the, obviously the Romanian, the Romanian um, government was, was trying to get rid of the church. Overwhelmed with fear and close to giving up. And his wife bluntly exhorted him, Yusuf, you've said all along that you wanted to die for Christ. Well, go and do it now. Like, that's a wife to you. We need more wives like this. What's your problem, Honor? You always said you're going to lay down your life for Jesus. Here it is. Go for it, boy. Anyway, anyway, but that put some serious steel in his back. It's almost like his wife said, get over yourself. Stop this rubbish. You preach this, and now it's your turn. Go for it, boy. Your reward is in heaven. And it's interesting because in Yosef's son days, how the Ro- Romanian government would, uh, would undo the sacrifices or the martyrdom that was happening in the church is they would spread rumors of the guys being martyred and living lavish lives and betraying their faith. They wouldn't confess that they were actually being sacrificed because they were so fearful that when people hear people are prepared to lay down their lives for this Jesus, it would actually create a revival and not quench, it, would actually not, it wouldn't kill the church, it would actually breathe life to the church. And Revelation talks about that the gospel goes forward on the, on the lives and on the blood, through the blood of martyrs, when, by people laying down their lives for Jesus. That's how the gospel moves forward. The more we suffer for Christ, this is the last little thing that he says, the more we suffer for Christ in this life, the more glory he will give us in the next life. The more we're dissatisfied or find more discomfort, we, we're happy to say no to the comfort of this world, the happier we're going to be one day when that comes. I would, I would trade that. Hey, would you trade this for that? And I think that's what happens in our hearts. Is I'm not, are we prepared to trade this side for that, for heaven or eternity? 
And it's amazing when you read scripture with Paul and the New Testament church and martyrs, if you read some books on people that have laid down their lives from their family, you'll say what a privilege it was for them to lay down their lives for the gospel. It wasn't a duty, it wasn't a punishment, it was an incredible privilege to lay down their lives. Suffering for Christ's sake is more than a distant prayer for us. I really want to pray for all of us in the room that but we're not just going, we're praying for Afghan and we so, no, 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 for us, like God, help us understand. Let us not tap out and go, this is too tough or too painful, Lord, use these hard times for me. But that we would be wholehearted in following Jesus with everything we have. And we're going to look at another New Testament text um, where Jesus calls us to self-denial, not self-fulfillment. We're living in a world of self-fulfillment. Get the best life, get the most out of life, fill your life out with these things. And then we read Luke 9 where Jesus calls us to actually deny ourselves and to willingly suffer a little bit of discomfort for, for him and for the gospel. So if you can, go to Luke 9, verse 23. We're going to read four verses together. And then I'm going to break it out to the two options. We had a beautiful slide presentation ready, and what I'll do is I can send it as a PDF to the group so you can look at it on your notes if that's okay. And I really think it's going to be worth your while just processing over the next week. Life groups will be, will be doing that together. So Luke 9, verse 23, this is Jesus speaking to those eager to follow him, and he says this, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. See what Jesus is doing? For you to follow me is going to cost you something, and it's not just going to be a once-off decision coming to the front of a church and saying yes to Jesus. It's going to be a daily occurrence in your life where daily you're going to, you're going to choose him and choose others before you choose yourself. Daily, we're going to pick up our cross and, and, and pick up a bit of discomfort and suffering for the sake of him, but ultimately and for the sake of others. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him Will the Son of Man be ashamed when, when He comes to, in His glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels? So this moment when the Son returns and the Father's there, the angels, all heaven comes back for us when Jesus would turn away from those who are ashamed of Him. Can you imagine that picture? But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. What an incredible promise that Christ gives His disciples. And just a few highlights of that passage, and then, we, then I want to break it down for us. Suffering or living in discomfort as a Christ follower is not a once-off moment. We don't, we don't lay our lives down for Christ once. It's a daily thing. It's a daily moment. Daily we call to put ourselves second and Him first. And he uses the language here. He says, you will be saved. You will. If you do this, you will. If you, if you, if you, if you gain your life, you're going to lose. You will lose it. He's not debating. He's giving us two very stark contrasts. He's saying, on the one side, you're going to gain your life. On the one side, I'm going to show you how you can lose your life. And, he's, and Christ, in this way, gives two brilliant options. Saying, you, you've got a choice to make as a Christ follower. And this makes us so different to the world where we see sacrifice, not, of, not for self, but for Christ. See, when, you, when you're on a health streak, you, you sacrifice certain things for yourself. I'm not going to eat chocolate. I'm not going to have that slice of cake. Or I'm going to get off bread. Or I'm not going to have as many coffees. Or I'm not going to... And we're sacrificing for self. We're doing it for ourselves. 
we're going to benefit by that if we sacrifice like that. Or we put money aside because we want to, we want to save up for a really nice gift or a, a very nice holiday or whatever. And we're sacrificing. And it's not, that's not for Christ. That's for, for self. It's, and he's not calling us to He's saying sacrificing for him, for his cause, for what he's called us to. And the deny yourself, like I said, is not denying yourself coffee or chocolate or sleep or work or whatever or money. No, no, it's denying your yourself, your inner person. When you say honor is not number one, when you're saying I'm not first in, on, the, on, the, on the priority list here, I'm second or third, second before, behind Christ, there's a beautiful um, an author that I read that said, not, when you walk into the room, every other person in the room is of more importance and of more value than you are as a Christ follower. When, whatever room you walk into as a Christ follower, you are never, you're always the lowest in Christ. Just because of your humility and the, the call to serve and lay down your life for others. It will change how we respond and relate, even as a country. And the other two options, I'm just going to talk through the, through the options. So, Option A, we deny Jesus and follow self, and it leads to us losing our lives. Option B is we deny ourself, or self, and we follow Christ, and it says we will gain our lives. And losing the life, what it looks like um, is when we deny Jesus, follow self, we end up living with a, a significant sense of dissatisfaction, never having enough. Have you noticed how difficult it is to please us as human beings? We get a brand new this, and before we've even worn, say, it's a nice, say you're into nice clothes, Okay, let me use honor. Bags. I love bags. Like, Claire, when we go on a holiday, we go anywhere near a bag, like a, you know, a sling bag or like any man bag or whatever. Claire's, the first thing Claire wants is my wallet to know that I'm not going to buy a bag. It's amazing how many bags I have bought over the years. And they've always, always been on special. I don't know how that happens, but it, it just always seems to be. But it's crazy. You can, I can go into a place and buy the most amazing bag and use it for a week or two. And then next week I'll go somewhere and I'll see another guy with another bag, and I'm going, oh, geez, that's, um, I'm not sure I'm happy with my bag. I could do with a better bag. And then a month or two later, I'll, I'll, I'll twist Claire's arm, and she'll let me buy another bag, and then we'll go on a holiday somewhere, and I'll say, oh, that'll be so cool if I could have that bag. Uh, you can't laugh at me because you all have that in you. We all like that. We get this beautiful thing, and before we know it, it's, we're not satisfied with it. We want something better. We have a dream house. We think, wow, one day we're going to live like this. And we live in it for four or five or ten years. And we go, oh, we'd like a better house. We can... There's something in us. We, as human beings, we're infinite beings. We, we're not meant to have limitations. We're meant to live forever. It's like, it sounds like some rock songs. Like, I want to live forever. Um, and this world, everything on this side of this world will never, ever make us happy. When we deny Christ and we live for self, we will live with a dissatisfaction all our lives. We'll always be, I want more. I can't get no satisfaction. You know, like this, like I'm never going to be satisfied this side of eternity. I'll be disintegrated. I'll be on my own because I'm serving self, not people. It's so hard for me to commit to long-term friendships because when the friendship runs out and it doesn't serve my needs anymore, I move on. And so I never ever feel like I'm part of something that's worthwhile. I'm, dis- I'm run and and ordered by my desires. What I want is what I go for. If I want something better, I'm just going to charge. Oh, I can't control my desires. They rule my life. I'm a slave to my wants and my needs. I, just, I say yes to this all the time. And that's what life looks like when we, when we deny Christ and we, we don't deny self. And Jesus says, if we live like that, 
we will lose our lives. And not just our lives, yeah, but eternal lives. And then it says, option B, honor. Deny self, follow Jesus. And scripture promises that that way we live satisfied lives. We are satisfied. We can be satisfied in laying down our lives for Christ. We will live integrated relation, deep relationships with people because we're happy to sacrifice for them. We're happy to be the lowest person in the room. We're happy to be the least in the room. We'll be motivated not by desire and what we want, but we'll be motivated by love for others. We'll do things out of love because we love people, not because of love that we need or desire. We'll also be free from the domination of want. John Markoma helped with this, and he spoke about this. He's saying it's, there's two radical different lifestyles that Christ calls us to here. The one leads to death and the one leads to life. And Jesus calls us to lay down self. He says, deny self, not me. And you go, how do we do that today? There are, <coughs> sorry. there are so many ways in which we can do that as Christians. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until it finds rest in Christ. Our hearts are restless. I always get nervous when it comes to this part of the preach because it gets personal, but it's also personal for you. When we say that Christ is worshipped and he's the highest, it means over my life, even the best marriage can't compare to Christ. Even the best children can't compare to Christ. Even the best health <laughs> can't compare to Christ. Even the best job <laughs> or income doesn't compare to Christ. And we live in a world where, where Jesus is part of the package, but we're not always sure if he's the package. And he calls us to, be, to make him the, the package, the everything in our lives. Me first, honor. And if you make me first, you'll put others first, honor. And you'll live a satisfied, joyful life. And you will gain your life. You will win life back. You won't lose your life like this. The world looks at it and going, oh, you're daft. Why would you sacrifice? Why would you lose? Why would you lay down? Why would you put yourself and others um, second and not, not first? It's the world we live in is, sisters, you just can't get enough this side of heaven. Go for it. Grab everything you can in this life. Almost as if there's no eternity waiting for us. Dallas, Dallas Willard um, says this about our appetite for, the, for this world. And he says this, To live in the flesh, to live with uncrucified affections and desires, is simply a matter of putting them in the ultimate position of our lives. Whatever we want becomes most important thing or becomes the most important thing. Maybe this morning you can just, what is your biggest desire for your life right now? What is the thing that you want most? Okay, don't all go COVID to be away. Let's just get a little bit more personal. Whatever we want becomes the most important thing in our lives right now. What is that one thing in your life right now that you, that you desperately, desperately want? And just do a bit of like exercise with me this morning going, what would I be like if I got that thing? <laughs> what joy would come, etc., etc. And then Dallas Willard says this, this is what happens when we are living apart from God. 
we make our desires ultimate because they are all we have. We almost live like these desires is everything. It's me. It's, it's my identity is wrapped up in my desires. And if I can't have my desires, then I don't want to live anymore. It's not worth living if I can't get what I really want. Sounds like a, a Spice Girls song. We look to them as if, as if they were everything in our lives. Thinking of my worth, my glory, my appearance, my thinking, or thinking of my power to sustain myself. We look to them as if they were everything in our lives. These desires. If I, if I only had this, I would be fulfilled. I'd be happy. I would be content. And we say, when we, when we, we look at these things, that is what I was saying to us. We think to ourselves that our lives are fulfilled. We think to ourselves, now I have worth. We think, now I'm glorious. Now my appearance is good enough. Now people will like me. Or now I can sustain myself. I don't need help. Maybe for you, the desire is that you don't need that you hate being dependent on others. <laughs> that you want to be in charge. That you, and when you can't be in charge and you can't be in control of your own future, you fight to get that back. And you're going, that's what I want. I just want, I want control of my own future again. I think what COVID's taught us is how little control we have of our futures. How we have to trust God. Going, we have to, I'm sure for many of us we've had rants at God. And going, God, I, like, I'm losing control of these precious desires of mine. I can't keep going. And he asks us to lay those things down. Lay down self. <laughs> Selfishness. The gospel of the church cannot move forward and cannot exist if too many of us have chosen to deny Jesus and not deny self. The church opens its doors every week, every month, because people, individuals, families decide to lay down and deny self with its finances whether it's coming to church early to open up, whether it's to rehearse songs, whether it's to prepare sermons, or the church exists by people laying down their lives for the gospel. Every one of us gets to do this. That's what leading a church is such a beautiful thing and such an amazing privilege is because you get to do it with people that willingly sacrifice of their own lives for the sake of the gospel. It is completely radical to the world we live in. It's the, it's the, we, in some ways, we are the weirdest bunch in East London this morning. Not us, every church that gathers. Because we've chosen to put community before ourselves and our selfish desires to do what we want to do on a Sunday. We're going, no, it's important for me to be. Not because I need God's word. Yes, you do. And you need worship. But, but my, my fellow brothers and sisters need me. They need my presence. They need to hear my voice in worship. They need to see my smile or my elbow pump, or my foot pump, or whatever you call it. But my brothers and sisters need me, and instead of spending the night, the day at home with my... I say no to that, and I come together. Take sacrifice, take discomfort out of, out of our faith, and we won't have a faith anymore. We won't have churches, we won't have this. And lastly, just to land, just as we, we come to communion... We read earlier that Christ was our example in how he laid down his life for us. Not for himself. Yes, he gained us and he gained a beautiful people, but he did this. You and I benefited by what Christ did. And imagine if you and I willfully, joyfully laid down our lives, not because we have to. There's a lot of discomfort happening because of COVID and because of the economy and because of what's happening in our country. And that's kind of happening almost at us and to us, if, if it makes sense. But, but we're not called just to, to live 
like that, we're actually called to willfully volunteer and voluntarily place ourselves in places of discomfort for the benefit of others. That's what makes us different to the world, is that you now choose to live with discomfort for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of... And if we divorce Christianity from discomfort or sacrifice, I'm not sure we end up with Christianity. I really don't. I don't know what we end up, but it's not what the gospel speaks of. And it's not the church as the gospel kind of marries the church and suffering and laying down their lives for. I don't know many people that have lived meaningful lives for Jesus that have not willingly sacrificed for him. Chosen to take pay cuts. (laughs) Chosen to sacrifice money for the gospel or chosen to say no to jobs to stay in communities or chosen to say no to to even bigger families because they want to be able to serve Jesus more. I just don't know of a person like that. (laughs) And that life in following Christ is for you and me, for all of us. We all get called to to suffer a bit, a little, 